Good morning, TikTok, and happy Friday. <laughs> Yo, I've been looking at these comments on my post from yesterday about Brittany Griner. And I am so tired of these saltine motherfucking settlers coming on my post with their bullshit rhetoric. Not but racism. Okay, if you got left behind and black people in this country have gotten the short end of the stick for long enough. When are y'all saltines gonna realize that we like motherfucking graham crackers over here? Fucking stupid. So we now know that trauma like just makes it almost infinitely harder to learn when you're a child. And we also now know that systemic racism is essentially an adverse childhood experience. And many researchers qualify systemic racism as an adverse childhood experience, which means that children who are black and brown in our schools are expected to be excellent while suffering from complex PTSD. And on top of that, we're also expecting these students to be excellent in a space that is actively hostile to them, their way of being, who they are as people, their history, their ancestors, everything. Um, the big thing is here that infertility concerns with um, starting gender affirming hormone therapy. So for kids who go on a blocker at Tanner stage two, and then they add in gender affirming hormone therapy, um, there isn't a lot of research about this out there, but what we do know is these kids probably will be infertile. Um, so it's really crucial to have multiple conversations with the family about that and to talk about options around that, to talk about different ways people can have kids um, aside from biological kids, um, to talk about possible ways. There's some early research being done on sperm and egg banking um, prior to going on gender-affirming hormone therapy. So to, to talk about that, and I think this is one of the trickiest parts about gender-affirming hormone therapy is talking with these youth and their families about infertility concerns, um, but obviously incredibly important to do. Um, lastly, it's really important to talk about appropriate sex ed 
Hi, I'm Jack. My pronouns are they, them, and I identify as trans and non-binary. Here are three things you can do to support trans children in your school. Number one, be a visible trans ally. There are lots of ways to do this, from having trans-inclusive flags in your classroom to having trans-inclusive storybooks on your bookshelves. Number two, stop unnecessarily gendering things in your school. This ranges from easy changes, like not grouping children into boys and girls, to not having gendered uniforms. Consider how excluded trans and especially non-binary children and staff may feel about gendered spaces and policies. And number three, teach children about pronouns, what they are, how we use them, and why they're important. This allows trans people to not be singled out for their pronouns and instead makes pronouns part of the norm. I know that I'm probably gonna get ate up by this in the comment sections, but I really don't care because it's the truth. And a lot of y'all need to admit to yourselves that restrictive um, eating disorders are fatphobic. Like y'all really be coming up on social media or just in real life talking about everybody's body is beautiful while being on your third day not eating. Like that doesn't make no sense. If everybody's body is beautiful, how come yours isn't? How come fat people isn't? Because what you're is being fat you're scared of being fat you think fat people are disgusting you think fat people are ugly and you don't want to be fat so you restrict yourself from eating because you think fat people are disgusting and don't deserve to live so like y'all will legitimately feel like you want to end your life because you don't want to be fat that doesn't seem fat phobic to you it doesn't I'm gonna say some stuff that's gonna ruffle some feathers. It may even evoke anger out of some of you, but if it does evoke anger, it's because it's the truth. So sit the fuck down and put the shoe on Cinderella, cause here we go. If you look at the culprits from most of the school shootings, most of the church shootings, most of the attacks against the LGBT and minority groups, who is it? It's white cis men. Oh no, it's a mental health crisis. We need to acknowledge it. No, we're not going to use mental health illnesses as the reasoning of why this is happening. I have mental health issues and I'm white. I'm not going out there doing this shit. It's white cis men who are a part of the far right winged ideology of fascism. That is a true threat and the terrorism to this country. And if you don't fucking think so, you're a fucking dingbat. Oh, and P.S. A drag queen reading to your child isn't going to do anything to them. But you showing up in militia gear wanting to play Call of Duty is going to traumatize them for the rest of their life. All right, this one is for International Pronouns Day and just for the healthcare professionals on TikTok. So if you're not a healthcare professional, keep scrolling or whatever, I can't tell you what to do. We have got to start making pronouns a standard part of our patient intake forms. Here's the new patient packet that I use for new patients. And if you just scroll down, third question, there it is. It's as simple as this. Which pronouns would you prefer that we use when talking about you? She, her, hers, he, him, his, they, them, theirs, or other. And then a space to specify if you choose other. It's really that simple. I'm in a privileged position where I'm running the practice so I can say whatever I want in my new patient form. But it doesn't matter if you're a doctor, nurse, healthcare administrator, CNA, pharmacy tech, OT, PT, respiratory therapist, anyone. Check out your new patient forms, and if there's not a space to write pronouns, ask the person in charge of it. It's usually not intentional, but it can make a big difference. So since I've been talking a little bit more about my pronouns, you know, my past videos, um, people have been wondering how to use them and how they work. 
So while I'm drying my beard oil, I'll go ahead and tell you. I have done this before, but it's been like a good few months, so yeah. My pronouns are ve, vir, viz. Ve, vir, viz. That is the same order as he, him, his, she, her, hers, and they, them, theirs. So in any sentence where you would use that pronoun, you just replace it with whatever neo-pronoun of mine is equivalent. So, there V is. There he is. I'm gonna go talk to Veer. I'm gonna go talk to him. Look at Viz's new bag. Look at his new bag. You getting it? I literally just found them on the internet over a year ago and they just stuck with me. You know what, while we're on the topic of how white people are just fucking the world up for everyone, you're not one of the good white people. There are no good white people. There are only anti-racist white people and racist white people. Anti-racism is a lifelong project, and the end goal is not for you to be good. It's for society to be good. Decenter yourself. Do the work. It's hard. You're going to get it wrong. But if you are not out there every day actively trying to understand, you're not a good white person. Stop patting yourself on the back. Stop congratulating each other. Stop separating us from the bad white people. Don't sit out there in comments and say, we don't claim them. We are them. We are them. We are the ones shooting up schools. We are the ones raping people. We are the ones enslaving people. We are. We're them. Hey, Miss Reed back here, Texas teacher with tip number two for creating safe and welcoming places for your LGBTQIA plus students. Remember that yesterday we talked about having uh, the incorporation of a pride flag or pin or something in your classroom so that your students can see that you are supportive of their identities. Uh, tip number two today is that you uh, may want to share your pronouns with your students. And when you do that, that opens up that line of communication to let those students who may have pronouns that are different than what is on the school roster to come to you and share their pronouns with you and share their name with you if it does not match with what is on the school roster. I highly suggest doing that. It's something as simple as, hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Miss Reed. My pronouns are she, her. And it's simple, quick, easy, and it opens up that line of safety and communication for your students. Oh no! The transphobia in my comment section needs to stop. Yesterday I posted a TikTok responding to this question, what are the red flags you look for in men? And one of them was if he wouldn't date a trans woman. Red flag. And my comment section? You get the idea. I can't put them all because there's too many. Let me break this down. Trans women are women. So if you're heterosexual and you're a man and you said you wouldn't date a trans woman because it's a preference, that's just transphobia, period. The majority of the time, our preferences are rooted in something problematic. It could be trauma, racism, transphobia, the list goes on. If you want to find out what your problematic preferences are, click the link in my bio and watch this video. I am now going to take you all through an example. This person asked why it's transphobic to not want to date a trans woman. Already starting off on the wrong foot by referring to cis women as regular women. Then said something about trans women not being able to carry children. If that's your sole reason for dating someone, keep that same energy for all the women who are infertile. Welcome back, you old snack. This is part two of learning about a air airs neo-pronouns. To hear about the history and origin of these neo-pronouns, head back to my account. Now, we're going to practice. 
A is from Baltimore originally, then A moved to New York City for a few years. Now A lives in LA with Air 2 cats. Have you seen Air artwork yet? A loves working with pouring paints and watercolors. A has made all of these herself. In fact, you can support Air by purchasing artwork. Head to pookalookatooka.com. A hopes this practice helps. A knows that learning new words is difficult already, let alone how hard it is to unlearn how we operate and how we think about ourselves and those around us. But A is so grateful you stayed so long to practice with Air, and A hopes you come back for more pronoun lessons with Pookalookatooka. Having said that, I believe that Mr. DeLeo would make an excellent president. However, I feel that electing the only cis white male on this board, president of this district, sends the wrong message to our community. A message that is contrary to what we as a board have been trying to accomplish. I think that it's important that we practice what we preach and that our words have strength when they are spoken, whether we speak them from the neighborhood sidewalks or from behind these tables. Mrs. Steinbeck has done an exemplary job as president these last few months and the strength of her performance has earned her my vote tonight. I have a thought. Now, I know the trolls are going to be like, uh-oh, she should have stopped there, but I'm not going to do that. So there's a lot of controversy about um, whether or not sex education, health education, relationships, gender, all that stuff should be taught in the classroom. Here's what I think. You, you as in parents, send their kids to school to learn math, reading, writing, history, science from a professional, right? But in the same token, a lot of people who do that also think that they're experts in sexuality education because they've had kids. With all due respect, just because you've had kids does not mean that you are a sexuality education expert. It does not mean you are an expert in sex. It does not mean you are an expert in the body. It does not mean you are an expert in gender. It does not mean you are an expert in relationships. So the same way that we're sending our kids to school to learn these skills, these life skills like math and quadratic equations and calculus and whatever else from a professional, we also need to be ensuring that our students are learning information about their health, about identity, about very complex issues from a professional. I mean, like, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Let me ask about specific questions. Has Twitter ever been involved in shadow banning? We do not shadow ban according to political ideology or viewpoint or content, period. Uh, we, every, every model that we have on the network uh, is really looking at the behaviors on the network. Uh, we take those behaviors as signals. And I do want to point out that these signals evolve uh, minute, like minute by minute, hourly by hourly. These are not scarlet permanent letters that people then take on as a badge and will never be ranked high in search or not allowed to trend or ranked high in conversation. So these are models that are looking at behaviors and behaviors of bad faith actors who intend to manipulate, distract, divide uh, a conversation um, or to unfairly amplify their content, which they didn't earn. So those are the signals that factor in. Uh, and, and we do rank uh, search, we do rank trends, and we do rank conversations accordingly. That does not affect one's timeline. If you follow someone on Twitter, you're going to see them in your timeline. 
Now, we do uh, rank the timeline for relevance, so it might take some scrolling to see everything. But what, you can also what, turn that ranking off in the settings, so you can see everything in recency order. What about, and I think this might be something everybody agrees on, let's start with people that are calling for some type of violence of any kind or threatening violence against an in individual. I think that would probably be an easy, we're not going to allow that, right? Yes, that, that is much easier. Any sort of uh, violent speech, encouragement towards violence, uh, harassment uh, is directly against our terms of service and we take immediate action on it. What if somebody, now it gets more nuanced, oh, I wish somebody would just punch Hannity in the face. What do you do then? Well, we have to, in, in all these considerations, not to get into the specifics, we have to take the context. We have to really understand what the context of the conversation is. And this is extremely hard for an algorithm to do and, and certainly hard for, for humans to do. So we make sure that all of our folks understand the cultural context that something is said. Uh, because some cultural contexts allow for some speech that uh, enable some speech that other cultural, cultural contexts don't. So as we review cases of reports or blocks or mutes, we have to make sure that we're taking into consideration that context and then acting, acting appropriately. And doing so with, with warnings, with notices, with uh, a temporary lock of the account until that tweet is reviewed or, or deleted and ideally giving them the exact reasons why. It violates and you have enough people that would be able to monitor and handle that that you won't miss threats? We'll certainly miss things. Mm. And we're, we're certainly going to make mistakes along the way. That's why it's important for us to make sure that we have... Yeah, I think it's more complicated than everybody knows here. Как-то, насколько это было возможно, общались, это, конечно, огромная радость, облегчение для всех нас, но для всех нас, ладно, что это для семьи, я даже не могу себе представить. Но то, что его обвиняли, обменяли, не на героя разведчика. Не, имперного. Ведь он же разведчик. Уилл, да? да? Он разведчик, его приняли, Шпион. что называется, при передаче информации на флешке. Он там рассказывал, что это он на флешке хотел, вот ему должны были фотографии церквей Сергея Посада передать на флешке. Фотографии церквей по отца по друг другу передают. Правда же, как мы берем? Смотри, где я вот был. Для этого, да, для этого флешку не приносит. Вполне себе нормального качества, не хуже, чем на флешке. Он разведчик. Ну, для нас он шпион, для них он разведчик, то есть герой. Он морпех, он увешен. Орденами. У него одна проблема, две. Проблема первая, три. Проблема три, первая, три. он белый. Вторая, мужчина. Третья, он, судя по всему, все-таки гетера. Знаешь, а этого сейчас вообще не прощает. Это катастрофа. Не, ну Грайнер И как может американский, вот американскому избирателю дали выбор? Герой, пострадавший на службе отечеству. Он же по службе пострадал. Герой, увешанный орденами, пострадавший за то, что он работал на свою родину, на США. Или чернокожая лесбиянка, наркозависимая, пострадавшая за какой-то вейп с гашишем. Американский И избиратель... очень известная. Да. Очень известная. То есть в пиаровском плане... Американский избиратель выбирает очевидное. И я считаю, что для нас это вторая хорошая новость. Первая хорошая новость, что Бут вернулся, а вторая хорошая новость, что нация, которая до такой степени наплевать на своих героев, что она считает значительно более важным вызволить действительно за дело пострадавшую, пусть она известная, спортсменка, но неважно, она признала, что она но она пострадала не за то, что на родине служила, а за то, что она гашиш свой не могла без него там 10 часов обойтись или сколько, да? 
Вместо того, чтобы вызвали человека, который два года уже сидит на секундочку, и который Родине служил, и за это служить, это о многом говорит. Это много говорит о состоянии этого общества, этих спецслужб и всего того, что имеет отношение к противостоянию геополитическому. I got top surgery in August of 2022, so this year. Um, and I don't regret top surgery, but I do regret who I got surgery with, and I need to talk about it. The reason it's so important that this is on TikTok is because so is she. She has a massive platform, and her name is Dr. Gallagher. Four days after top surgery with Dr. Gallagher, my top surgery incision split open and started bleeding. At first, she said that it was just bruising, and then when she saw me in person the day before, I flew home. Um, she said that it was fluid buildup and that it had to just bleed out on its own through the open wound. I flew back to Ohio and the bleeding did not stop. I was waking up to blood all over my clothes and sheets every single day. I could barely move or leave the house. At one point, I did decide a couple weeks after surgery to go out with some friends. I was slow, I was careful, and about halfway through the night, a blood clot the size of a golf ball fell out of me. I was rushed to the emergency room. I was in tachycardia by the time I got there. They admitted me and paged their plastic surgery team. The resident there took a photo, and I sent that photo as well as the blood clot to Dr. Gallagher. She replied back and made a joke that I was menstruating and said I didn't need to go to the ER, even though I'd already gone. The next day I woke up and the hole in my incision had collapsed into a black hollow cavity. There was discolored tissue spilling out of it um, and it looked like it was going to open more. There was also another hole farther back on the incision that was starting to rip. I took photos, graphic photos of my body and I sent them to Gallagher in a panic. At this point, I reached out to a local top surgeon uh, and sent him my photos. He squeezed me in first thing the next morning and when I saw him, he said that by sight alone, he could tell that it was severely infected. He was really angry with Dr. Gallagher and he told me that she didn't give a shit about me. He said I would need surgery that Friday, so three days later. When I got home from that appointment, I opened my email to see Dr. Gallagher's response, expecting her to urge me to go seek a second opinion given the complications that I was having. And instead she told me it was looking good and that it wasn't infected. I was put under anesthesia for a second surgery on the 2nd of September. And they took out over half a foot of dead, rotten tissue from my left side of my body. The doctors told me that I could have gone septic and that this bacteria has a very high mortality rate. Gallagher had told me to do absolutely nothing about it. If I had listened to her, I would be dead. They gave me an extra large drain and I had to have it in for over three weeks. When I shared my story on Twitter, I got countless replies from people expressing that they had similar issues with Gallagher, including others who almost died. Please share this. Please stay safe. Medium article with the details is in my bio. I've read both of the transcripts of Matt Miller and his ex-wife, along with other articles of public record. I am not comforted by the conclusion of this so-called investigation. In fact, I'm even more concerned. In his transcript, Matt Miller paints the picture of being a victim of his wife's sick desires, which includes engaging in sexual fantasies about young children in our district. Now he claims he is a victim of a smear campaign and calls everyone who questions him crazy. Well, I have many questions. If what Matt says is true, why wasn't he concerned for his children's safety? 
if what Matt says is true, why didn't he ask for help? If what Matt says is true, why didn't he tell his wife no? Why did Matt choose to engage in the sexual fantasy and role-playing about children? Why did Matt continue reading once he knew it involved three young boys in Lakota's school district? Why didn't Matt leave his wife? Why was his wife the one that filed the divorce shortly after these events took place? Although he is taking no responsibility for his actions, he doesn't deny participating in them. In his transcript, he said he didn't cross lines with minors. I disagree. He already crossed many lines by participating in sexual fantasies and role play involving young children. Admittedly. The biggest fear is that this board spent an hour and a half behind a closed door meeting to decide how to wash the wet. There are plenty of other states and cities that would welcome him with open arms. Not here. We are Lakota. Means everything about this man's life, his personal life, his professional life, represents me, my five kids, all of you, and all of them. We cannot do that. I'm asking for your resignation, and I need all of you I don't care who we spoke to, thoughts become words, become actions. If you had a brother or an uncle or any male that you know, come to you and tell you that he and his wife had discussions about sexual acts with children, would you let that man alone with your kids? Of course not. You would keep a keen eye on them. My youngest that is currently in high school has special needs and is very vulnerable. I now feel as though I need to keep a keen eye on her while at school. And if something, something bad did happen, what's to stop this district and board from overlooking this as well? I ask the board to protect my daughter. I ask the board to protect all of our kids, protect them as your own. Anyone that has talked about doing sexual types of things with children needs serious help, but most importantly, must be removed from any possible scenario of being overwhelmed by these temptations. God forbid that he could act them out. A man who is in charge of more than 17,000 children and our school district made the decision to participate in sexual role-playing. This was an intentional act with the purpose of sexual arousal and climax. It's despicable. Who will be taking audience? Who audience. Will, who will be taking responsibility if we later find out that Matt Miller decided to cross more lines? Who's going to take that responsibility? He is either a weak man or he's lying. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And let's assume he's just a weak man and he couldn't stand up to his wife. He couldn't say no. Let's say that he was just a weak father and he couldn't stand up for his kids. I don't want a weak man as our superintendent. A person in this role should be of utmost character, morals, values for our children. I want Matt Miller to resign from Lakota schools effective immediately. That's problematic!